take a seat please thank you man this last song what we've just prayed is is exactly what we will speak about it um, today heal my heart and make it clean and so i'm praying god open our eyes to the things unseen show us lord how to love like you have loved us God, break our hearts for what break yours. This is so powerful. Break our hearts for what breaks yours, Lord. And everything I am for your kingdom's cause. Hint, hint. This is the series you're talking about. Break my heart for what breaks yours. Everything I am for your kingdom's cause as I walk from earth into eternity. This is exactly what we... Um, what we're going to talk about this morning. And this is how you see um, that God is in control, that God has prepared what, what, what is to be sang in this place, that God has prepared which word is to be uh, told this morning, and God is linking all of this. And so uh, our praise that as we leave the, this, this place this morning, we will just have um, um, just this idea of God has prepared this place to speak with us to us and today we are um, finishing our journey in this series uh, called kingdom come um, who has been here for at least the past three weeks few people yeah who is new here anyone new today <laughs> you guys have been here who's new who's here for the first time all right a few hands guys you are welcome <laughs> you are welcome yes welcome um, and yeah, it's a pleasure to always see uh, new faces and uh, even perhaps some faces that have been here for a couple of weeks and I haven't got the chance to uh, meet you guys. Um, my name is Pedro and you are you and that's awesome. <laughs> and I'm part of the, the, the leadership of this, of this church and it has, has part of this leadership. It's a pleasure as leaders to, to serve you, to serve this house by, by bringing uh, the word of God. And um, and yeah, we've been on this series, Kingdom Come. It was a, a short three-message um, series. To, to this week is the third one. But I think we've covered um, a lot of ground. Um, and um, again, for those who are new for the first time or, or, or those who have been here before, I'll invite you to uh, go to our podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and, and hear the messages again so that you can have this full uh, spectrum of this series. And Barry started us off so two weeks ago and he explained and gave the foundations what this kingdom of God is uh, from cover to cover uh, in the Bible. And then Gabby last week, uh, she uh, invited us to, to explore how do we live this kingdom as citizens. Uh, we who trust in, in, in Jesus and we call him our Lord and Savior, um, we, 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 are, um, we, are, we are citizens of this kingdom. How, how do we live? How do we honor the king? How do we trust and how we submit uh, to the king? And this series, um, we are not able to cover it all. Um, I think we've covered the, the basics and the, what we found was the most important um, stuff. Um, and we've had really good conversations even in the past few weeks um, on the Unpacking Sunday, uh, Monday's sessions. Um, we've, we've, there was other questions that were raised. And if you don't know what Unpacking Sunday, Monday's sessions are, we get together every Monday, uh, 8, um, uh, 8 p.m., 
uh, we have a Zoom link, and it's a time, so it's happening tomorrow as well, where we can unpack a little bit more what was said, what was preached this morning. And it is a time where you, if there was anything that was said that wasn't clear, if there's any other further question, uh, it's a time where we come together and we reflect it um, a little bit more. So you guys are all invited. And so I don't know if you have a notebook or a cell phone with you, if you like to take notes, but I really invite you to, to do that so that you can be um, just on top of it. And then if there was something that you were like a really pressing issue that you thought this needs to be clear for me, or even something that was really cool and that you learn and you want to share with someone else, um, write it down uh, and you are invited to join us on Mondays for that. But let me start um, by sharing a personal story. Um, when I first came um, to Lisbon, that was 2009, and I came to study uh, in university here. And I studied university nearby here uh, called Technic, uh, Mechanical Engineering. And as the first days, the first weeks uh, went by, I was really, really, really scared, really overwhelmed. Just when I started um, hearing what this course, what this couple of next years would probably be about, as I started hearing the stories of the older students, I was really scared, like, what have I done <laughs> with my life? What choice? It was not even my first choice. Um, it was like, yeah, mechanical engineering, I think then I can have, um, I mean, you can get a good diploma, you can find jobs here and there. It was not exactly my biggest passion, uh, so it was a very rationalized decision, but when I faced <laughs> it, then I was super, super, super scared. And six years later, if the older Pedro could turn to the younger Pedro, uh, I'm sure he would say, relax, calm down, uh, God, God is with you, God, um, God will help you. And the reality, and I'm not saying this to, to boost, uh, but the reality, the, what the older Peter would say was like, well, now that I know there was not a single exam, a single test that you failed. And if he had told me that before, I would never have believed. But this was what happened. Like God had a plan uh, for you, relax. But at the same time, I'm happy that the older Pedro didn't say that to the younger Pedro. Because at the same time, if the younger Pedro would know the amount of sacrifices and the, the amount of work and study that I had to apply myself to for the next six years, I would probably have run away for sure and not uh, go for it. Um, and sometimes this is um, it's the same thing uh, in our lives. We also uh, we are eager to know how uh, what's the uh, god's will for our life you know what's how uh, what will be our 5 year self how will it turn out 5 years uh, from now and god protects us in a way by withholding that information uh, from us and just asking us to keep moving forward and be faithful um, every single day i wonder how the already fearful moses would have reacted if he knew that he had to face the Egyptians' authorities and for 40 years he had to face the, the wilderness. I don't know if Moses would go for it. I wonder if David, what if David knew what all his ears as a king would be about, that he himself was going to be unfaithful to his wife and to his friends and would fail before God, that his own son would one day betray him and he would flee away. I don't show, I'm not sure if David would go for it. Or Paul, with all the missionaries' journeys, he, he knew it was going to be tough, but he didn't know in the details. 
But the point of the message today is not to talk about the will of God uh, in our lives, but there is something that God wants to infuse in us, has to mature our faith as he asks us to keep moving faithfully and forward. And even though we don't know the day of tomorrow, never mind how we will turn out five years from now, what God wants to infuse in our hearts is hope. His hope. God who is ahead of time. God who is on the higher ground. Therefore, he has a bigger and better picture. Um, God is, who is way more than the, old, the, the older Pedro, speaking to the younger Pedro. He wants to give us precious um, assurances of hope so that hope can be that anchor to our faith. And so, one of the things that I want to explore this morning, one of these assurances, is that this kingdom of God is eternal. The kingdom of God is eternal. It's not just something of the past. It's not just a powerful experience of the present. But the kingdom of God has an eternal scope. And this eternity has started already. We are already giving the first steps into eternity. And this eternity will be stretched throughout uh, the time. And will also be infinitely uh, meaningful and uh, beautiful. Because God himself is eternal and infinite, beautiful and complex. Um, this is his kingdom. God is the king and this is his kingdom. Therefore, the kingdom reflects what the king is and so we're going to explore in this last part of this um, sh uh, series how um, how important it is to know that we are living eternity and how that eternity uh, will look like um, for the next eons and ages. And so, um, when Barry started two weeks ago, um, he beautifully set uh, the foundations of what the kingdom of God was about by turning the first page in the Bible. The first page in our Bible in Genesis 1 already portrayed the ideal kingdom that God had planned for, uh, his, um, for his humanity. And... Um, and then he, he, he walked us uh, um, uh, uh, through the Bible and he, he saw how the Bible is, is a unified story, makes sense, it's consistent, and we will get to see more and more glimpses of, of this kingdom. And then we have the climax of Jesus, God himself, the king, coming on this earth and, and presenting the kingdom uh, to its fullness. And what I want to... Um, what I, I, what I want to set from the beginning uh, with you is that this eternity that uh, the Bible is depicting has, uh, as the, the kingdom starting in Genesis 1 is also described right in the end of uh, your Bible. And so um, John, the Apostle John, when he writes um, the book of Revelation, he kind of opens up um, the curtain and in a very particular way he tries to describe what he's seeing and revelation is 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 this um is yeah is, is opening the curtains for us to understand what the future kingdom will look like um 
the kingdom will be in its fullness, will not be exactly the same as it is now. There's, there's more to come. And so while I'll, um, I'll read a bit of, of how John described um, the future kingdom in Revelation uh, 21 and 22, but I want you to picture um, as we will uh, read this in your head. But I want you to um, understand something first, is that the way that John um, uses his language, his apocalyptic language, um, his goal was not exactly to give a camera footage idea of what or how the things would look like. But its intention is to set vocabulary, symbols, and pictures of things that have a meaning of it and will help the readers to connect the dots. If you try to just picture and make a mental movie of what, how John describes things, you and most probably happens with many people, find the book of Revelation quite bizarre. But that's exactly the point, or better to say, that's not the point. The point is, in describing, in the way that he's describing, what set of things are being activated in your mind? So I want you to have this in your mind as we will read through um, these small snippets of Revelation 21 and 22. So if you want to Close your eyes or be super focused. Um, we'll go for it. So, yeah, this is a time where I drink a bit of water and Dina, with a loud voice, read this for us, please. Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth has disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. So you took me in the spirit to a great high mountain, and he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God and sparkled like a precious stone, like jasper as clear as crystal. I saw no temple in the city, for the Lord God Almighty and the lamp or his temple. And the city has no need for sun or moon, for the glory of God illuminates the city, and the lamp is his light. Then the angel showed me a river with the water of life clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the lamp. It flowed down the center of the main street. On each side of the river grew a tree of life bearing twelve crops of fruit, with a fresh crop each month. The leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. No longer will there be a curse upon anything, for the throne of God and of the Lamb will be there, and His servants will worship Him, and they will see His face, and His name will be written on their foreheads. And there will be no night there, no need for lamps or sun, for the Lord God will shine on them, 
and they will reign forever and ever. Amen. Thank you. Um, did all these pictures, did all these symbols activated something in your mind? What we see or what John is using here is Garden of Eden language. Garden of Eden vocabulary taking straight out from Genesis 1. A clear reference right back to the beginning of the biblical narrative. Does the river or the water of life in the middle of the city tells you something? There's tree of lives there, the same way as there was a tree of life in Genesis. There he talks about the sun and the moon in a very particular way as well. But he says how God's presence is there in its fullness. The same way as in Eden, God was taking his afternoon strolls with uh, Adam and Eve. And the people are seen here that the church of, of Jesus called the bride has co-ruling with God. In the same way that Adam and Eve were asked to co-rule with God. So I'll give you a first homework for today. There's a couple more coming, so if you want to write down, I'll invite you to do so. So whether this is very new or not to you and all this vocabulary, I don't want it to be confused, but your homework for tonight is to read Genesis 1 and 2, read the first two chapters of your Bible, and then go to read in its fullness Revelation 21 and 22. We, we, you saw a lot of brackets, we had to, to skip a, a lot of it, but read these two chapters in fullness and mark down all this vocabulary, all these words, and you will see how the Bible kind of closes on itself and how these things connect. And so you'll better understand and you'll worship God by seeing how this kingdom that was set in Genesis 1, the reality of Garden and Eden that was lost, humans failed to, 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 to live according to how God has, has set them to, will be restored one day. So the story will not end. The story will go back to, to this Genesis 1 and we will get to live with humanity forever. And God is making all things new. So John, by connecting to Genesis 1 and using the same vocabulary and description of God co-ruling with humans in a garden-like city, he's showing us and he wants to, he's being used by God to infuse in us this confidence and this hope how this kingdom is to be extended to eons and we are going to be part of it and what a blessing that is but the question that we um probably have as we want to also you know get a bit more practical <laughs> is how does knowing that the kingdom is eternal um gives us hope um how does hope um look like and how is it useful for my living uh, here and now. Um, once I heard a really good uh, quote on the Portuguese song that I'll never forget. Um, and by the way, this is not a Barry or a Gabby singing moment. The last message they all sang, I'm not going to sing. But I'm quoting this, uh, this, uh, this sentence from this song where someone was trying to describe hope and he said, hope is we get to know more about eternity than about tomorrow. Hope is what we, that we get to know more about the eternity and God 
was very intentional to, to put it out there for us, we get to know more about eternity than we get to know more about what's coming the next 24 hours. So even though all these John's visions uh, leave most of our questions uh, a bit unanswered, that's not necessarily a, a bad thing. Because these, uh, um, he's not trying to just satisfy our curiosity, but he, he's, he's telling us, as, as you read through the Bible and you get to these final chapters, he's, he, he's telling us, celebrate with me that the resurrected Jesus will one day resurrect and transform our bodies and we will live with him. We get to know more about that reality of eternity than we get to know more about tomorrow. And this, is what, and this was the hope that the first followers, the disciples of Jesus, this was the hope that they held close to their heart. Soon and very soon they would get to be with Jesus again. The guy they, they, they've met and they walked for three years and they, 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 they had beautiful conversation with him. They saw amazing uh, miracles and, and, and they heard his teachings and Jesus went up to, to heaven. They were eager to see him face to face again, to hold him, to, to, to embrace him uh, face uh, to face again. Because Jesus had, had left also um, um, uh, pictures for them to, to hold on to, anchors to their faith. So, for example, the same John, this is what he records um, in his gospel in, in, in chapter 14. This is one of the things that Jesus left uh, to them. And Jesus is telling them in, in one of the last meals Jesus has with them. Jesus says, do not let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me, in what I'm saying. Because in my father's house, there are many rooms if that were not so i would have told you would i have told you because i am going there to prepare a place for you and if i go and prepare a place for you i'm coming again and i will take you to myself so that where i am you will also be there with me do not let your hearts be troubled because there's a place that I'm preparing. There's more about that place than what you know about tomorrow. And in that place, there are many rooms. Many are being invited and many can share this eternity with me. And, this, and in this place where I am, you will also be with me. The places we know now, they only last as our heart beats. But Jesus wants to tell us that there are other places. There's more places beyond uh, what we know. And his presence will be there. Jesus will be there and we get to inhabit with him. And so as John was reflecting, in that place, he will wipe out every tear in our eyes. There will be no more death. There will be no more sorrow. There will be no more crying. Those who mourn now will mourn no more. Those who cry now, those who are meek, they will cry no more. The reality of death or, or disease or trouble will be outside the city gates. They will be foreign uh, to us in eternity. Because Jesus will be there and he's making this room for all of us. 
Paul when also trying to uh, instill hope to the church in Ephesus. And he also talking about uh, the promise of eternal life. He writes this uh, to Timothy. And some scholars believe that what Paul is quoting was part of, the, of a Christian hymn that was already being sang uh, during uh, that time. So Paul probably is quoting this hymn and he says, This statement that people are singing is trustworthy. For if we die with him, we will also live with him. Those who die and during their lives, those who die with him, meaning those who live their lives and they embrace the Lord Jesus, they will one day live with him. This death now is, is not the end of it. If we endure, we will also reign with him those who endure those who persist those who remain faithful even if you don't know how it's going to be your self six five six years self from now or, or or however the circumstances you are but if you endure if you persist you will one day reign with him and 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 john had a longing to be with jesus paul had a longing to be with jesus and and the longing that this first disciples his first christians had to be with jesus again was was a reflection of their of the personal relationship they have had with him they had a personal physical relationship with jesus they loved him so much that they couldn't wait to see him again now we don't have the possibility to have a physical relationship with Jesus, but God wants to open the eyes of our faith so that the love we have for Jesus and the intimacy we'll have for Jesus will also fool in us a longing to be with Him again. So the longing we have for Jesus now is a reflection of our love and our intimacy or our lack of love and our or lack of intimacy um, with Him today. In the Bible, um, there's tons of uh, many other verses um, um, about eternal life. Second homework <laughs> for you, if you want. Do a Google search, um, grab a coffee, type down eternal life, and you'll have myriads of verses and you'll um, expect... To spend the next couple of hours reading about it. Because God wanted to make it very clear. God wanted to state it very clear. That his kingdom is eternal. And that this 80, 90 years that we might live on this earth now. Is not all that there is. So we'll keep moving. And by mentioning all these verses we we, we ask another question. So how should these verses or, or this idea of hope um, actually shape our minds? Uh, how should these uh, changes, how can we put this into actions? Are they just here as some sort of self-help, pick and grab, feel good verses? Or, are, or can they be turned into a mature kind um, of living today? And so um, what I want to do in the next uh, five minutes is, is explore with you and invite you to, to, um, to write down in your heart, how can I live in light of 
eternity? How can I live in light of eternity? Are you with me? Yeah? Do we have another 10, 15 minutes? Yeah? I cannot promise it's 10, 15 minutes, but let's try. <laughs> right. The author of the book of um, Hebrews, he spends uh, chapter 11 trying to explain how faith can be fueled by hope. Um, he already called that hope is the anchor to our faith. And so in chapter 11, he gives um, many examples of people that um, can be found in the Bible that lived in light of eternity because they had their hope and so their faith was, was strong. And he, he starts chapter 11 by giving a description of what faith uh, looked like. So if you ever wonder, how can I describe faith? The Bible has a very clear answer on that. And he said, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. So there's hope that is being given uh, to us because there's all these pictures, there's all this idea, there's some eternity waiting for us. There's this hope that God wants us to, to hold on to. And faith is having the confidence that that hope will happen, that that, that will happen. And it gives us insurances about things that we cannot see. So even though we cannot see what, what is coming, we can only imagine and have an idea and meditate, but faith is having an insurance that these things will happen. And so as he tries to... Um, so he goes and he shows how this faith, fueled by hope, will shape this, um, all these characters and they are living in light of eternity. And so um, I cannot read the whole chapter for you. So now um, another homework. So what, third, fourth homework? Um, I don't know, homework number three. All right, homework number three. Go home and write the entire, uh, right, read the entire chapter of Hebrews 11 and be inspired by all these people. But I'm going to read just a few verses about Abraham. We have it there. It was by faith, this faith, the confidence of uh, the hope we have. It was by this faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land uh, that God would give him as inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith. For he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did his sons Isaac and Jacob who inherited the same promise. Now look at this. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations. A city designed and built by God. Let me just stop here. Abraham never met John the Apostle. He lived like what? Um, 1800 years, 2000 years before John. But there was already some sort of vision of a city that was waiting for him. A city with eternal foundations. A city built by God. And then the author goes on. All these people that he has just de described. They died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised. They are still not living in that city. Thank God, because there's time for us still. But they saw it from a distance, and they welcomed it. There was some hope, and they welcomed this hope, and it fueled their faith. And they agreed that they were also foreigners 
and nomads here on earth. So the same way that Abraham was, uh, was called from the land of the Chaldeans, like modern-day Iraq to modern-day Israel, and he was kind of a foreign on that land living in tents, all these characters also had in mind by faith that this time on earth is just temporary. My life is just like a tent that has been pitched here for 80, um, 90 years, 100 perhaps if you're lucky. But one day I'll have a home, a place uh, that I describe as a heavenly home. They were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. And this is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Like Abram who envisioned a city. Abram who envisioned a city like Apostle John and all these other characters. They knew that they would spend far more time on the other side of death in eternity than they would spend here. They knew that this life is just the workout before the actual game. This life is just a warm-up before the race begins. They were living this life. They were facing the circumstances of their life. But they knew everything is just temporary. Death, sorrow, decay is temporary. Because one day there will, there will be a place and that place will be eternal. I will call them a house with foundations. A heavenly home. And so as we come close to the end, um, I want to read you a segment of a devotional um, um, written by Rick Warren. I don't know if you heard about him. And um, he has a devotional book called The Purpose Driven Life. Um, has been a very important devotional for me. Uh, Jode and I, we like on Mondays to sit together and do our devotional together. And we, we use that um, to our um, couple uh, devotion and I had this already a chapter saved, um, uh, marked down for rereading purposes. And so when we sat down together, let's read about um, um, this chapter. And um, we discussed how this reality of eternity is something so important uh, for us and it's so um, refreshing. But at the same time, it's so easy actually to also lose focus uh, on. Uh, on it and and, and and forget it when it's when it's close um, when it's just in front of our eyes when we think about it it's so powerful and refreshing but there's a, an internal challenge to always keep it here close to our eyes have living light of this eternity and living in light of eternity is exactly the theme of this of this uh, day devotional and um, and I, I actually, I just want to read it because uh, I don't think I could have said it uh, any better. Um, let me just tell you that we did that devotional on a Monday, like two weeks ago. And like on the same week, like Wednesday or Thursday, uh, Ruben asked me to, uh, to preach this message. I was not scheduled originally, but then we had to swap and he asked me to preach this message. And the message was about the eternal kingdom. So for me, it was again how God orchestrates everything. God makes sense. And if he had already prepared my heart and given me some ideas for today, then it was like God really wanted to, to say something. And so I was very excited for this message. So um, have my excitement and um, 
Just bear with me for a couple more minutes. But this is how Rick Warren puts it in his devotional. Is it there? Yeah. One day our heart will um, stop beating. That will be the end of your body and the end of your time on earth, but will not be the end of you. This life is preparation for the next. When this reality is written in your heart, you will begin to live differently. You will start living in light of eternity, and that will color how you handle every relationship. That will color how you handle every task and every circumstance. And do you agree with me that it's so easy for us to be caught up in the hectic pace of our lives? Or caught up by the dimensions of our problems and challenges? Um, some are honestly big, yes, and they are worth spending our time investing in our worth, our cries and our pains. I'm not diminishing their importance. But too often, all of our activities, all of our goals and all of our, our problems that seem so important today, when filtered through the lenses of eternity, perhaps they will look more trivial and unworthy. And perhaps all these small things that will hinder our walk with the Lord or, or will or, or contribute to, to forget this perspective of, of eternity. So, yeah, we need to um, we need to look through different lenses. We need to put these glasses of faith and, and look and act in, in, in light of eternity. And um, and the Bible itself encourages then even the big tribulations of the present. And Paul writes this in, in Romans 8, I'm quoting, even the tribulations of the present. And Paul was writing to a church in Rome who was facing persecution left, right, and center. Who would be taken to the arenas to be eaten alive by lions or they would be burned alive to, to, to be like lampposts on the streets. But Paul's saying that even those tribulations cannot compare to the glory of eternity that will be revealed. Even those tribulations. So even your tribulations. How big and how honest and genuine and important they might be. They cannot compare somehow <laughs> to the glory that will be revealed um, in eternity. He continues in the devotional. When you live in light of eternity... Your values also change. You use your time and you use your money more wisely. You place a higher premium on relationships and character instead of fame or wealth or achievements. Your priorities are reordered. Keeping up with trends, fashions and popular values, they just don't matter as much anymore. Isn't it true? Isn't it true? Gabby meditated last week about um, her friend, uh, her past friend, Karine, and how in her funeral, many people um, gave a good testimony. And I'm quoting what Gabby said. I, I loved it, that sentence, that Karine, uh, the, the testimony that 
people gave of Karin is that she reflected a life lived for something greater than herself. Her priorities were reordered in a way that what people saw uh, her, they, they testify her life were, was lived for something greater than herself. And so Gabby did not describe, but I felt like saying it very clearly this morning. She and her husband invested in this church. They didn't come here every single Sunday, but while we were still in the place where we could have max 30, 40 people, they said, we want to invest in you as we are investing in the kingdom of God. And they had resources for us to move to this place, for us to do the construction that we need. The first year of rent was all covered by them. Second year of rent, they paid half of the rent. Third year, they paid like a quarter of rent. And fourth year in this place, they sponsored what happened, the renovations on this auditorium. How many people like you are being blessed in a place like this? How many more people can we feed and, and, and share and open the word of God? How many more people are being saved in Lisbon because Corinne and her husband, PH, they made an investment uh, in this church. And I'm not just talking about money being invested, but I'm talking about how we prioritize our time, how we prioritize our relationships. Those are the things that matter the most, uh, like Rick Warren says. So lastly, he also wrote, the most damaging aspect of contemporary living is short-term thinking. To make the most of your life, you must keep the vision of eternity continually in your mind and the value of it in your heart. There's far more to life than just the here and now. Guys, there's far more to life than just here and now. Today is the visible tip of the iceberg. Eternity is all the rest you don't see underneath the surface. He's a great writer, right? <laughs> it's really cool. I really love it. So in summary, the more you think about eternity, the more you will be driven by it. The more you think about eternity, the more you will be shaped by it. The more you think about eternity, the more you will, you will act and you will influence the people around it by the power of that eternity to the people around you. Your values, your relationships, your, the way you see life will be reordered because you have this hope to hold on to. So I'm coming to a conclusion. And so as I conclude, I would like to invite um, the team to, to come forward. And, um, and as I conclude and as we will sing, um, I want this time for us to just process a bit more all these thoughts, all these ideas that, that were shared, because um, thinking of the reality of eternity and, and our death, we also get to think you know, about afterlife, where, um, what is all uh, this about. Um, and I don't know everyone to how I am speaking here today, but I know that as we face the reality of death that is the, um, the more... Uh, the reality of this life that no one can escape to, when we face these things, we face a warning and we face an invitation.
And the warning that we face is that we need to make a choice. We need to make a choice. There is time to make a choice. Not making a choice is still a choice. While life on earth offers many choices, eternity offers only two. Heaven or hell. To be with the Lord Jesus or to be away from the Lord Jesus. Your relationship to Jesus on earth will determine your relationship to him on eternity. If you learn to love, if you learn to trust Jesus, you will be invited to spend the rest of your eternity with Jesus. But on the other hand, it's also true, if you reject his, his, his love and his embrace and his relationship with him today, you will spend eternity apart from God. C.S. Lewis summarized this in this way. There are two kinds of people because there are two choices. Those who say to God, Thy will be done on this life now. And those whom God will say in the end, Thy will be done. Alright then, have it your way. So which kind of people do you want to be today? The warning and the choices are set before you. And there's still time God.